Mi gente, hello and welcome to Kika's Corner. My name is Kika Matos and I am your host. The goal for this show is to focus on interesting topics and people, social justice issues, and maybe, just maybe, a scandal or two. But always, 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 whatever we talk about will always have a New Haven edge. Three days from today, our world is going to change and it's going to change radically. And sadly, not for the better. Friday, January 20th is the day that Donald Trump becomes president of the United States. Donald Trump was not the people's choice in New Haven, or Connecticut for that matter, nor was he the popular choice of Americans, since three million more Americans voted for Hillary Clinton than they voted for this man. Still, he won the Electoral College, and for the next four years, he is going to be our president. His platform has been one filled with hate from the day he announced his candidacy. He has targeted Latinos, immigrants, Muslims, African-Americans, refugees, and women from day one. On the day he announced his candidacy as president, Donald Trump accused Mexicans of being rapists and criminals, and his anti-immigrant bias only expanded from there. Then he turned to Muslims, and during his campaign, he threatened to ban all Muslims from coming into the United States. His views on women were made clear throughout the campaign, and he repeatedly disparaged and objectified women, going so far as to call his rival a nasty woman, among other revolting comments. He has stated that laziness is a trait amongst African Americans, and he said that the Black Lives Matter activists were, quote-unquote, trouble. I wish he could say that this was all campaign talk and that since the elections, Trump has worked to to unite this country and mute some of his extreme views and policy ideas. But sadly, this has not been the case. Take, for example, his 100-day plan on immigration. Donald Trump plans to deport 3 million people. He plans to build a wall between the U.S. and Mexico. And he wants to jail anyone who tries to cross the border more than once. He also wants to cancel all immigration-friendly executive orders advanced by Obama, including those that give relief to young undocumented immigrants known as dreamers. And we're talking about 750,000 young people. And he wants to defund any city or state that is immigrant-friendly, including cities like ours, cities like New Haven, that have gone out of its way to make all of its residents, including immigrants, feel welcome. His policy ideas about Muslims remain alarming. And while he has walked back the idea of banning all Muslims from entering the United States, he wants to create a registry that would require that all Muslims register with the U.S. government. Just a few weeks ago, the Trump administration sent a request to the State Department asking them to provide them with a list of all programs and activities that the State Department runs that quote-unquote promote gender equality, such as gender-based violence, promoting women's participation in economic and political spheres, entrepreneurship, etc. And just this last weekend, you know, the one during which we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King's memory and legacy— He viciously disparaged Congressman John Lewis, who was one of Dr. King's lieutenants, making racially coded and offensive comments about the district that Congressman Lewis represents. With me this afternoon are New Haven advocates who are uh, champions for social justice, who have been out on the front lines and who are themselves part of the communities that Trump has maligned, Latinos, immigrants, Muslims and women. 
Let me quickly and proudly and happily introduce them. I've worked with all of them. Um, and it's been a great joy uh, to have these advocates um, as uh, partners in justice. I want to first start off with Kamal Scott Mujahid, who is the training director at Connecticut Core Organized Now, which is an organization dedicated to racial justice in Connecticut. Kamal has been an advocate for about a decade now, focused on youth advocacy and police accountability. She's also active with the New Haven Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, and we worked together at City Hall when we were doing immigration advocacy. So welcome, Kamel, and it's great to have you in the studio. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Also with me today is Mary Elizabeth Smith, better known as Emmy. Emmy is the Program Director for Adult Education and Community Outreach at Junta for Progressive Action. She's very involved in community issues, including those that involve women, including immigrant women. Bienvenida, Emmy. Muchas gracias. Thank you for having me today. And last but not least is Jesus Morales Sanchez, who is one of the leaders of Unidad Latina en Acción, which is a grassroots immigrant rights organization led by the undocumented. ULA has led some of the most effective advocacy around wage theft, racial justice, and police accountability in the city of New Haven. Uh, welcome, Jesus. Well, thank you for having me. So I want to start off with Kamel. Uh, and just a very personal question, and that is, what does Trump's president mean for you? Mm, okay. Um, I guess I can, I can answer that a little bit by talking about what my initial reaction was um, to the news that he had won. I, like many Americans, was, I personally was on social media watching the results come in. I couldn't bring myself to watch it on TV, um, and I was just refreshing my phone, and when it came to be... Um, clear that he was that he was actually going to be the winner um i i can't say i was surprised um because i many people that i had spoken to had told me that it could never happen and and i and i knew just knowing the history of this country um and knowing how far he had already gotten mm -hmm. that it was it was very possible um and that was scary um but when it became clear that that was what was going to happen, I went into my, my bedroom to talk to my husband and um, also um, co-director of CT Core Organized Now. And to, I, all I could say was, what are we going to do? You know, um, we have two small children, two little girls, um, two little black girls. Um, and uh, the realization of what this meant for us as a black family, um, as a family that uh, is Muslim as well. I'm not personally Muslim. My husband is Muslim and the vast majority of his family is Muslim. Um, and uh, just a family of activists that, you know, what this means for us as, as a family um, is really scary. Um, but at the same time, we know that we are here to do the work that we're here to do. Um, and we know that our ancestors are, are with us and our ancestors were engaged in this work when they were enslaved. They were engaged in this work when Jim Crow was, um, when they were under the thumb of Jim Crow. Um, and they've been engaged in this work consistently, no matter what the odds were. Um, and I, at one point I sat down at the table with my husband and said, you know, I just want to know that um, Harriet Tubman had a moment of doubt. I just want to know that Harriet Tubman had a moment where she was afraid. And he said, you don't, you don't think that she is? You don't think that she ever was? And I said, you know, you're right, you know, but she went back you know and I think the Harriet Tubman story is one that is really inspiring to me especially right now that um, after Harriet Tubman got her freedom she went back into the land of slavery numerous times I think somewhere between 15 and 20 times if not more and and 
saved thousands of people from slavery and, you know, was involved in military campaigns, was a spy. I mean, the story of Harriet Tubman is incredible and she doesn't get her just due. Um, and so, so that was inspiring to me. I also, I also look at the, the last speech that Martin Luther King gave and in the, in the spirit of Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Day, which was yesterday, um, I really encourage everybody to look um, that speech up mm-hmm. because he was giving a speech in front of uh, striking sanitation workers. This was a multiracial coalition of people who were poor. Um, and he was, and he was fighting for economic justice and bringing people together around that cause. And standing there, he spoke about the possibility of his death. I think knowing full well that that was coming. Um, he had been surveilled and tracked and harassed by the FBI. Um, and he died Shortly after giving that speech, he was he was murdered. So to see him knowing what he was up against and knowing how far the opposition would go to stop him, he still gave that speech. and He still stood up. And I think that our our people, African-American people, but also I want to speak to, you know, our immigrant brothers and sisters, our Muslim brothers and sisters. I think you can see this in a lot of communities. We always have those people who are willing to stand up no matter how how high the odds are stacked against them. And I think now is the time to do that. Um, I'll also say that um, thinking about Donald Trump and his administration, I think one of Donald Trump's greatest weaknesses is that he has he and his administration have decided to come for everybody, just almost everybody in this country. They're coming for black people. They're coming for immigrants. They're coming for Muslims. They're coming for women. And our greatest strength is in solidarity. So I am personally, you know, just doing everything that I can to call for and to work for a, an era of fierce, unapologetic solidarity where we all stand with each other. Because if we as black people can't see our, our fate in this world is bound up with immigrants and with the Muslim community and with the, with people with disabilities, who I also want to mention um, who uh, beyond Donald Trump's attack on a, a disabled um, reporter, um, the, the end of the Affordable Care Act is a direct threat to the lives of people living with disabilities and chronic illnesses. If we cannot see our fate is tied up with others. That is where we will be weak. So, um, so that, so that's where that's where I'm coming from right now. So, as much as it is, it, it's a scary time, and the mm-hmm. odds are stacked high against us. An immense amount of power is being given to somebody who um, who does not deserve it, um, and who and who has pledged to do terrible, destructive things with it. But I believe personally that together in solidarity, we can move forward. And see the kind of radical, positive change that our country and our world needs and deserves right now. So, how old are your little girls? Um, I have a, a two-year-old, and um, my oldest is about to turn seven. And after the elections, uh, you talked about having a conversation with your spouse. Did you have a conversation with your seven-year-old? Yeah, I've, I've thought a lot about that. Um, I haven't had a direct conversation with her yet because honestly I can't really figure out how to do that without terrifying her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do talk to her on an ongoing basis about injustice and I try to start with tangible examples and, and, and follow the questions that she asks me. So as we're driving down the street and she sees me hand a dollar to somebody on the street who's asking for, for money, 
um, somebody struggling with homelessness and she asks me why. I don't just answer that question by saying, well, you know, homeless people, sometimes they need money. I say, okay, let's talk about injustice in this country. And I, and I gave her a dollar because that dollar might help her in the short run, but I don't just do that. Like we also have to fight for a world where she doesn't have to stand there and ask me for a dollar on the side of the street. So I try to put things in context. A lot of the time I exasperate her and she doesn't want to hear my whole long story, (laughs) but, um, but I, I think it's important to teach our children the, the, the reality of the mm-hmm. world that's around us and to teach them about generosity, but to also teach them about justice. Thank you for that. And the, part of the reason I ask is because um, one of the things that was startling to me about the elections was um, the conversations that parents and women in particular, Muslims and immigrants had to have with their kids mm-hmm. about the new reality of this administration and how it impacted us. I have an 11 year old and I had to put him to bed the night of the elections because he started getting really upset when he saw the country turn red. Mm -hmm. I think that's symbolic as well. As he saw the map turning red, I started thinking about, wow, our country's going to bleed a lot Mm -hmm. in the coming years. But when he woke up the next day, he was sobbing. Mm -hmm. You know, he couldn't believe that a man who stood for, racism and bigotry and who was so hateful towards women was elected. And so, um, and, you know, after the elections, having conversations with parents, this, especially people who do social justice work, this was a constant theme. You know, how do you have those conversations with your kids, especially when um, so many of our children were so um, traumatized by the outcome of the elections? Uh, So switching from the personal to uh, the political, talk to me a little bit about what Connecticut CORE's work is going to look like in the next four years as you ramp up to fight for racial justice and defend our communities. Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, I, um, so CT CORE organized now, our our mission is really to dismantle systemic racism in the state of Connecticut, um, which, uh, you know, usually when I tell people that, they're like, Really, <laughs> you know that's that's a lot, and I and a tall and I order. It is a tall order, and and that's why we feel like there's no time like the present to get started. Um, and our our method for for doing that, what we think will accomplish that, is building a movement. Um, and so we come at that through a, a three pronged approach. Um, the first being community organizing. Um, then there's training and then there's community building. And I would say probably community building is the first thing. That's kind of the foundational piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I'm, that I'm seeing now that's, that's quite honestly frustrating to me are calls to, you know, how are we going to rebuild the democratic party? You know, and while, you know, people who put their faith in the democratic party, I respect them and I can see that personally. I don't. Um, but I will say that if we are thinking about, putting our, our energy into rebuilding the Democratic Party and we are not also thinking about putting our energy into rebuilding black communities, immigrant communities, poor communities, that's a losing game. Mm-hmm. We need to be rebuilding the people. Yeah. Um, and so so that's part of the work that we want to be engaged in. Um, the trainings that we're, that we're currently offering and going to continue offering are on community organizing skills and on um, building a racial justice analysis for people so we can start to see issues it, with that racial justice frame, but also with an economic justice frame, because we do think that those two things are important. We had a um, a conference. Our first conference was in November. It was very well attended, um, a very successful event. 
And in um, late April, we're still working on nailing down a date. We're going to have another conference, which is um, the first conference was really more focused on bringing people together and discussing issues. Mm -hmm. And the next conference will be about also some deeper skills based work as well. Um, we're, uh, we've been working with some uh, folks from People Against Police Brutality, Black Lives Matter New Haven, and um, other organizations who came together recently to put on a production of the Every 28 Hours plays, mm -hmm. which are going to be continuing um, in, in 2017. So if you missed it, there will be opportunities to go. Right. Um, so, and, we're, and we're working to ally ourselves and to stand in solidarity with other groups. Our, our work is, is focused on the black community. Um, but we want to work with people from all communities and we want to work with white allies as well. Um, and right now we see it as important to to be connecting with um, leaders and, and movements in the immigrant community and the Muslim community as well. Because, like I said before, we think our our, our fates right now are really bound up with each other. Uh, you're listening to Kika's Corner on WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio, broadcast at 103.5 FM and live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. Emmy, Hi. I want to hear a little <laughs> bit about what you've been up to. Uh, you work with a lot of adult education students in the community, particularly the immigrant community, mm -hmm. and a lot of them happen to be women. Talk to us about um, how immigrant women in particular are feeling right now and what they fear most uh, under this new administration. And um, talk to me a little bit also about what kind of advocacy is happening in the immigrant community. Wonderful. Thank you, Kika. Um, as you said, I uh, work very directly with a lot of immigrant women every day. We have ESL classes mostly women in the morning who come in um, to learn English, to learn about their rights, uh, to learn about their right to access health care in this country. Um, the day after the election, I will never forget, I came in and kind of said, okay, I, I'm going to have to take a few minutes to before I go into the classes because I need to gather myself. And I went into the classes and, you know, thought that we could somehow have um, some sort of a decent conversation and um, we all ended up in tears and it is it, you know this this fear is not new for the folks that we work with um, immigrant women and particularly undocumented immigrant women have been living with the fear of being separated from their families for generations um, it's not new however it is a bit more in their face and it is a bit more um, permissible to kind of speak about um, immigrants in hateful ways in the schools, in our communities. Um, not necessarily here in New Haven as much, but we've certainly seen cases of um, hate speech towards immigrant communities in school cafeterias, scrawls on school walls. Can you give us an example of that? Because I heard a couple of weeks ago that there... Uh about a month ago, mm -hmm. that there was some chanting taking place at one of the high school cafeterias mm -hmm. um, and the chanting was build that wall. Yeah. Is that really true? I saw the video coverage of that. Um, it was not here in Connecticut. It was, uh, I, don't, I don't actually remember what state it was in, um, but they were chanting. It was a high school. They were chanting build that wall. Um, this was just the day or, or the second yep. day after um, the election. And even just here in New Haven, uh, Wilbur Cross, we saw swastikas painted on the walls. Um, I 
as a mother feel lucky enough to have my son in a school where I think diversity and difference is celebrated and is not at all um, erased. So they really do uh, promote and encourage them to talk about their differences and where they're from and what, why that makes them great. Um, but still people are living with a lot of fear. They're living in fear of being separated from their children and they're living in fear of, for example, for our mixed status families, um, if an undocumented woman who has two U.S. citizen children gets picked up by ICE, will her kids get turned over to the state? That is a lot of mothers' greatest fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had women tell me I would rather all of us get deported altogether than be separated from my kids and have them get sent to the state. That's not everybody's case. Some women would certainly rather themselves get deported but i think for a lot of people it's that separation of families that is the number one fear and that's something that's it's really in in everybody's faces right now um another of the issues that we've really been working on and organizing around is this idea of uh, this this is also not new with trump um but it's again much more in your face of sexual violence and sexual assault being acceptable mm-hmm. um, and this kind of friendly locker room banter um, of, you know, grabbing by the hoo-ha is okay. Um, and I think that for me personally, as a survivor of sexual violence, that is one of the most dangerous um, consequences of Trump's run so far has been this idea that my attitudes or his attitudes towards women are okay mm-hmm. and they're being replicated already. We just saw the other day in Greenwich, mm-hmm. I believe, yep. um, a politician who grabbed the wom- grabbed pinched the, the, woman the woman's vagina and, after telling her disparaging things. That's right. It was a friendly exchange. Right. And so those things. I think one of the things that we really have to do and together with um, with Ula, we have a women's group that we we work on a weekly basis with Megan Fountain, um, really trying to talk about some of these ideas of gender and justice and sexual violence and what is acceptable and what is okay and what is consent and what can how can we teach our boys and Mm -hmm. our girls to really draw those lines and. And stick to them. Because right now, seeing somebody in our face who is allowed to do that and kind of laughing it off Mm -hmm. is um, the trickle down effect of that is is really harmful. I want to I started off um, asking Kamel a personal question and I want to transition from your work at Junta to a personal question. Mm -hmm. You're a mother of a young boy. Mm -hmm. Inti. Yeah. What do you fear most as a woman and as a mother in the next four years? And what are you planning to do to um, resist? Yeah. Well, I I kind of I started to get into that a little bit. Um, I think one of my greatest fears is for Inti to somehow uh, learn or accept these racist, misogynistic behaviors as okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think he will because he has me as a mother and. It, the rest of his family is pretty, pretty badass. Um, so I, I, I doubt that. But there's this this fear in me of 
will will what we're seeing on the media somehow get in mm-hmm. to his school or his right. community um my son's other parent is trans and so there is a whole nother layer of hate speech that mm-hmm. again didn't start with trump won't right. end with him mm-hmm. but i know that i need to teach him to stick up for himself mm-hmm. to stick up for others who are even more vulnerable than he is um and to start fighting i mean he's five he comes to protest with me all the time and he knows it. he doesn't know deeply why he's there but he knows uh, on a superficial level why mm-hmm. he's there mm-hmm. um and i think that's important i think that new haven and the united states has a history of standing up and fighting to, against these injustices and that we will continue to do so and the community here is united even though they there have already been some efforts to try to divide mm-hmm. um the black and the latino and the white community including here lines yep. yeah including, including here in new, new haven, haven. yeah so i think it really is our job to resist that and and fight back as parents as advocates on kind of all levels of society jesus hello so I know, because I work closely with Ula, that Ula has been uh, really active, getting organized uh, since the election, preparing to defend, protect, and fight for immigrants. And I want you to talk a little bit about, um, again, I want to start off with a personal or talk about work and then get to the personal, what you, uh, what your own um personal reaction was to the elections. And then I also want you to talk to me a little bit about what Ula has been doing to organize in immigrant communities in New Haven. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, the night of the election was, I mean, still in my mind, I remember it pretty vividly. Um, it was the ongoing updating, constant updating of my phone, checking, you know, okay, how are the districts going? Who's, you know, okay, Trump is leading. Oh no, Trump's lead just became greater. Okay, Hillary is recovering. And then ultimately, you know, I gave up around one o'clock in the morning when I, um, that's when I called it. I was like, I cannot continue this. I need to go to bed or else I'm just gonna, you know, for my own sake. Um, The next day though, I went into work and now... Um, the place where I was working at the at the time um, is, you know, mainly immigrants. You know, we have, you know, and they're not only Latino immigrants. There's, you know, people from Cambodia, people from Singapore. Um, obviously, there's, surprisingly, I was the only Mexican. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's people from Puerto Rico, Colombia, um, uh, Poland. You know, it's, you know, it was, it's a very di- uh, diverse group of people. And I remember just that, you know, the atmosphere was so dense. You could probably slice it with a, you know, butter knife. It's, um, it was, it was heartbreaking. And of course, um, in my case, I was, I just remember feeling very angry, um, because all of a sudden, you know, for me, it was kind of a slap on the face and, you know, of this society of these, you know, this country saying that it's acceptable for someone to call people like me, you know, criminals, rapists, um, drug dealers. It is acceptable to, you know, you know, 
and even if they don't uh, accept it, even if they don't celebrate it, you know, the fact that they were, um, you know, that he won meant that at least people, if they did not celebrate it, they were okay with it. They were, you know, it was not a deal breaker. So that honestly just messed with my head for a long time. Um, I remember that day, um, as soon as I got out of work, I got a call and there was kind of like an emergency meeting. We had to um, get together. We got together at uh, the ULA office and we sat down. First, we had to unwind because there was a lot of emotions. There's, you know, and throughout the day, I didn't really have a chance to let them out other than just say, I'm not okay. Don't ask me. I really don't want to talk about it. But having this space obviously helped. We let it out. It's angering. It's frustrating. But then after that part of the conversation was over, we had to move on to, okay, what are we going to do? Um... So that day we were able to start organizing for that first rally that happened in um, downtown New Haven. And I got to say that seeing all that people in there coming together was refreshing. It was healing. It was um, therapeutic, I guess, in a way. We were not expecting that many people to show up because every time that we have a rally... You know, as you said, we do a lot of... Same four cats show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so we have... Um, oh, hi. <laughs> um, so there's... Uh, we were not sure how many people were going to show up, but then when we saw the numbers of people that were just around us in, you know, in, in this rally, the people of all different backgrounds, you know, people that I've seen walking down the street, but I've never, you know, ever known their names and but I know that they're a part of the community. That was very refreshing. That was very, very, very nice. Um, and since then, it's been, uh, you know, it's been real busy. We have been trying to talk to our people. I remember the morn the Monday after the election, we had our regular meeting with people from the community. A lot of them were scared. Yeah. And I'm not going to deny that. Um, a lot of them are scared. A lot of them don't know you know that uncertainty mm -hmm. um is for sure a huge factor of this fear but at the end of the day i think that you know after having a conversation we realized and we were able to um get everyone to understand that even though that fear is very valid and very real and um there's you know there's something behind that fear very something very tangible which mm -hmm. is the election of this uh this man that they're we're we're not uh defenseless mm -hmm. we're not mm -hmm. you know vulnerable we're not you know just the victims of this man and um since that day we've been trying to push for that attitude that um idea that we're not victims mm -hmm. we can stand up and defend our own rights and it's gonna be a lot of work it's gonna be probably a couple tears in there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's uh you know who knows what's going to happen, but whatever happens, we're going to have to face it as a community. Mm -hmm. So since that day, we've been trying to push for community and understand what exactly, what exactly is a community. It's just, is it just like a bunch of people gathering together every Monday? No, it's me learning your name, learning who you are as a person mm -hmm. so that tomorrow, you know, I can advocate for you. You can advocate for me. We can advocate for each other. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of organizing, 
Uh, we've been busy. We've been working with the city of New Haven, trying to strengthen, you know, upgrade and update and um, upgrade um, the sanctuary city policies mm -hmm. that, are, that are happening. Um, New Haven Public Schools, we're trying to get uh, public schools to be sanctuary spaces because at the end of the day, the safety of children is a priority. He's like our number one priority. And um, also trying to... Um, get the general order uh i believe it's 602 police general order police that prohibits that pro prohibits um police officers right. to um you know to ask about the immigration status mm -hmm. of an individual upon you know a, a detention or something so um we want to you know this this a lot of these policies have been in place for 10 years So as much as that's great that they're in place mm -hmm. and it's more than we can say from a lot of places in, you know, the rest of the nation, they need to be updated. Mm -hmm. uh, things are different. Mm -hmm. You know, 10 years have gone by and mm -hmm. uh, we need to keep up with the times. Um, so I'm looking at Kamel because Kamel and I were working <laughs> at City Hall during that time, advocating for these immigration policies that you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to Kika's Corner on WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio, broadcast at 103.5 FM and live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. So in addition to all of this, I know um, all of us have been working on upcoming events and we wanted to take this opportunity before we close and I ask you um, some questions for all of the panelists that, are funny and humorous. I want to make sure that we leave on a positive note. Um, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about some events that you're working on. I know there's a strike that's coming up on the 20th, and mm -hmm. I believe uh, the 21st. There's a Women's March on the 21st in New York, in Connecticut, in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And Kamal, you have a flyer yes. about a peace and unity community gathering. So who wants to start? sharing your upcoming events before I quickly switch to your, to my questions of you. Um, yes. Yeah, so I do, I do want to also um, shout out a, um, this is not our event, but we're, um, we're supporting this event um, being co-sponsored by the Nagatuck Valley project and United Muslim mosque Inc. Um, it's a peace and unity community gathering to stand against hate and Islamophobia, which will be taking place Wednesday, January um, 18th, uh, which is tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. at St. John's Episcopal Church at 16 Church Street, Waterbury, Connecticut. Um, so we, we will be, um, we'll have some people there from CT Corps organized now, but we also really encourage the community to go and show up for our um, Muslim brothers and sisters. Thank you. Emmy. Yes. Um, aside from the strike on Friday, which Jesus is going to give you all the details about, Um, there is a speak out for reproductive freedom tomorrow, January 18th from 430 to the 6th at the legislative office building up in Hartford, as well as a sister march in Hartford on Saturday. For those of us who can't get down to D.C., um, that is, I believe, hold on, let me just check uh, from one to three at the Capitol building in Hartford. Yep. Uh, we're going to go to Jesus and Kamel. You got something else to add. Okay. <laughs> Everybody's um, fired up here. Yeah, no, there's so much <laughs> stuff going on, and that exciting. makes me really excited. Mm -hmm. um, so, as Emmy um, was was saying, um, we're organizing a general strike for uh, this Friday, January the 20th. We're asking people not to go to work, not to uh, send kids to school, and to uh, not do business as usual. Which means don't buy stuff, don't mm -hmm. you know use services. We're, we're planning on 
making an economic impact on um, as a response to the inauguration. And then on top of that, we're asking people to gather at City Hall at two o'clock uh, on Friday at City Hall in New Haven. And uh, we're gonna we're planning on marching around five o'clock in the in the evening. And, and where are we marching to? We're gonna be marching throughout the uh, the streets of New Haven. Okay. We're gonna have the message of the people of New Haven, you know, echo throughout the streets of New Haven. Um, and yeah, we're uh, partnering with the. Um, it's IWW, mm-hmm. uh, which is the uh, industrial workers of the world. Yeah. Um, so, and a few other organizations are co-sponsoring, um, and we're trying to get as many people as possible to City Hall on Fantastic. Friday. Fantastic, Kamal. Um, yeah, I just had one more event that I wanted to mention, um, which is being organized by CT Core. Organized now. This is a legislative brunch for racial equity and education, which is not directly connected to. Um, the, the inauguration events that are going to be happening this week, but I did want to mention it. Um, so this is going to be taking place on February 4th from 10.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at Housatonic Community College. If you're interested in this event, you can go to our website at www.ctcore-organizenow.org and um, you can register there. Can you say that again, but just a little bit slower so folks can All go on the, 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 no, oh, the, the website? The, the website. <laughs> yes, um, it's www.ctcore, that's C-O-R-E, dash organizenow.org. Thank you. Um, before I ask again, I promise you we're going to ha- end on a humorous note, but before I do that, I want to, given that we have a couple more minutes um, for the show, I want to ask each of you, to briefly, in one sentence, tell me what you think it will take for us in the next four years to protect the rights of the communities that we fight for. In one sentence or one word, what do you think it'll take? I, I would say fierce solidarity and unapologetic honesty. Thank you. Emmy. Um, collective struggle and personal sacrifice. Empathy and unity. Thank yes. you. Okay, here you go. You ready for your questions? Okay. Of course. <laughs> and we'll go around, Robin. Do you have a New Haven hero or shiro? And if so, who's that? Oh, oh boy. Okay. Um, uh, definitely. I. I mean, I. You know, I admire. You know, the work of John Lugo a lot. Um, but Barbara Fair. It's also. Mm, he's a badass. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Barbara Fair is. You know, She's my respects for for her. She's Emmy. amazing. Thank um, you. My grandma, who has since passed, but. Um, is will always be one of my sheroes. Kamel. <laughs> oh my God, so many people. Um, I'm going to go with Carrie Ellington, <laughs> um, who's um, an amazing and beloved activist in New Haven who's just taught me so much. Beautiful. Modern Sally's or Pepe's Pizza? Kamel, we'll start with you. I'm going to be very unpopular. I'm vegan. Oh, <laughs> so Delegna. I have okay. to go with Delania. Okay. <laughs> That's acceptable. That's pretty good. <laughs> Emmy. Pepe's to eat modern for takeout. Jesus. Modern all the way. Although, <laughs> yes, thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm a, a terrible New Haven myself. <laughs> no, but the line is really good. It is really good. They, they have yeah. an extensive vegan pizza. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, no. your favorite New Haven neighborhood. Uh, I gotta go with East Rock. Emmy Fairhaven. Oh my goodness, I I have a lot of love for Fairhaven. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right, last question. If you could pick a superhero power, what would it be? Jesus, we'll start with you. Oh my God. Uh, water bending. <laughs> you're such a scientist <laughs> yes i am <laughs> emmy what about you um b 
being able to transport myself very quickly to other places. Okay, I'd love to be able to fly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, well, folks, thank you for um, joining us today on Kika's Corner, which is on WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio, broadcast at 103.5 FM. I want to give, big, uh, give a big thanks to Kamel, Emmy, and Jesus for being my guests on today's show. Thank you. Um, thank folks, you. please, thank you. before we end, I urge you to join us uh, in any of these events. Please think about resistance and fighting for justice in the next four years. Uh, and here is to a day filled with sunshine and justice. Peace out. <laughs>